Following the ministry of the word, let's sing in response Psalm 68, the stanzas 8 and 12. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, leading a Christian life can be very challenging. Have you never felt overwhelmed by your sins and shortcomings? In Ephesians 6 verse 10, the Apostle Paul urges us to be strong in the Lord. And that's a call to look outside of ourselves and our limited abilities. We need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting that he can supply us with what we need. The call to be strong in the Lord is a call to battle. No neutrality is possible here. The devil is at work in this world. And whose side are you on? If you're not on the Lord's side, then by default, you're on the devil's side. If you aren't aware of this, the devil has already gained a foothold in your life. And be careful that his foothold does not become a stronghold. We can't fight this spiritual battle in our own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's a double reminder. We need a personal bond with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to rely on him for the strength that we don't have in ourselves. And if you think you can st- that you can struggle on your own, you are sorely mistaken. You will find that out the hard way. We are by nature weak. We have many sinful inclinations. And the devil can make use of this to entangle us and to trip us up. Our God doesn't leave us unprepared in our struggles. The Apostle Paul gives us important instruction. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Don't think that you can pick and choose what kind of protection you need. Embrace all that God gives you. That's the only way to remain standing in the spiritual struggle. And so we come to the theme for this morning, and that is the armor of God gives us the protection we need. And we'll focus on three points. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and thirdly, good shoes. The armor of God gives us the protection we need. We'll focus on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and good shoes. Beloved, have you noticed how often the word stand is being used in this passage about the Christian armor? Look at verse 11, which talks about being able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then there's verse 13, which commands us to take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. 
And this is followed by verse 14, which is part of our text. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the the belt of truth. So clearly the word stand is an important one. Don't just think of standing in the sense of standing around like you do if you're having a chat with friends. The kind of standing that is meant in our text implies standing your ground. It includes the the concept of resisting the temptation to give in and to turn around and to flee. And how can you remain standing when you're facing the devil and all his wicked angels? You won't be able to do this without very special protection. And Paul itemizes the various parts of the armor of God which serve to keep us from harm. And let's take some time to reflect on what he's getting at. After all, this can help us in our spiritual struggles. Note, first of all, that there's a certain order in Paul's description of the Christian armor. Think of a Roman soldier. He already has clothes on. Typically, this would be a short tunic. He puts on a belt and then a breastplate and shoes. But the description shows us that there is a spiritual dimension involved. The belt is what? The belt of truth. And the breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness. And the shoes are linked to the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And this is then followed by the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Step by step, Paul is introducing us to the concept of spiritual battle. So let's focus on the first element, which involves fastening on the belt of truth. What does Paul mean by that? Truth here involves more than making correct statements. Declaring that two plus two is four is correct and therefore true. If someone would say two plus two is five, a math teacher would say that's incorrect. But if the same teacher would call that statement a lie, you would probably say that's not a proper way of dealing with an incorrect answer. After all, if someone is poorly on a math test, would you say that half the answers are, were right and the other half consisted of lies? If that would be the case, you would have to admonish the student to be more honest the next time, wouldn't you? The problem of the student who who doesn't understand that 2 plus 2 is 4 isn't a lack of honesty, but a lack of proper insight. It simply means that something went wrong in the educational process. For example, maybe the teacher didn't explain things enough, or maybe the student wasn't paying enough attention. The truth referred to in the Bible is a truth that is different. It's a truth that's meant to function in relationships. God is teaching us things that we wouldn't be able to figure out on our own. His revelation is recorded in Scripture. First of all, 
the Bible confronts us with God's revelation of himself so that we will be able to live in a relationship with him. We learn about him as the creator of heaven and earth. And we also learn about his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible also tells us about the Holy Spirit. This triune God has revealed himself in the course of history. He teaches us about himself as a holy God. And we also learn to see ourselves as people who have fallen into sin and who need salvation. God is a God of grace, but he is also a God who will punish unrepentant sinners. Why? Not simply because they're living incorrectly. They are living a lie. They're living as if God doesn't exist, or that if he exists, it doesn't matter. The good news of salvation is referred to repeatedly as the word of truth. It's a revelation of things that were previously hidden, unknown. There is a way for people of Jewish and heathen backgrounds to live in a restored relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul writes about his task as a minister of the gospel in terms of a stewardship from God entrusted to him to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. And he describes this mystery in short as Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what does he mean by this? He means that by faith we are united with Jesus Christ. And by the Holy Spirit, Christ now dwells in our hearts. And as a result, through him, we not only receive the forgiveness of sins... We are also set free from the power of sin. Christ, and not the devil, is now our master. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he has referred to himself as the way and the truth and the life. As his followers, we are called to embrace the truth that is in Christ. The truth that he has come to reveal is the opposite of evil, falsehood, lies. And when we accept all that he has taught with believing hearts, we enter into a relationship with God and learn to live accordingly. We listen to the word of God and we respond by praying to him and living for him. Truth and faithfulness are closely linked together. Through Christ, our God also equips us to be true in our interaction with him. And we also learn to be true in our interaction with people around us. In the Bible, truth is therefore very much linked to being dependable and upright. In other words, truth is not just about correct thinking. It's something that leads to right behavior before God and man. 
And that's why in Galatians 5 verse 7, Paul talks about obeying the truth. And by putting it in that way, he is indicating that the truth that God reveals is meant to have an impact on our lives. We therefore need to study the scriptures to make sure that we properly understand what is revealed. A failure to do this leaves us open to being led astray by false doctrines. And that will affect not only our minds, but also our hearts, and from there, our entire lives. On the other hand, if we know God, we will strive to respond to what he says. Think of 1 John 2, verse 4, where we read, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Obedience to what Jesus Christ has commanded is evidence that the truth is in us. And that's the way of truth and love. Remember what Paul has written earlier in his letter. Ephesians 4 verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Never wield the truth like a club in order to hurt someone. Your objective must always be to use the truth of God's word to promote harmonious growth in the body of Christ. He is a source of our unity. And our unity will only be preserved and grow stronger if we focus on him. So here's a question for you to think about. Are you embracing both truth and love in your interaction with people around you? It's a vital part of our spiritual armor, our Christian armor. And if this isn't in place, the devil will have an easier time undermining our struggles to fight the good fight of the faith. Lies are the opposite of truth. They put us in league with the devil. Think of what Jesus said. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Lies disrupt our relationship with God. They also disrupt relationships between people. They undermine our credibility. If people can't trust what you say, they will have to try to second-guess your motives when you talk. And even if you tell the truth, they won't be sure. What reason do they have to take your words at face value? Paul talks about fastening on the belt of truth. And this belt is crucial for a soldier of God. When it is fastened, it holds a soldier's clothing together then clothes won't get in the way. A belt enables quick movement. And such a belt for a soldier also provides some protection for the belly. It offers a place to keep the sword. It also serves to hold the breastplate in, in place. Now, what's the 
spiritual application behind this reference to the belt of truth. Paul is informing us that truth holds things together in the Christian life. Doctrine and life are closely linked. Embrace the word of truth in what you think and let it impact what you say and do. Avoid insincere, hypocritical words and behavior. Be straightforward and loving in your interaction with others. The armor of God gives us the protection we need. Let's now reflect on what Paul writes in verse 14 about the necessity of putting on the breastplate of righteousness. This brings us to our second point. The breastplate of a soldier in Paul's day was usually made of tough leather or metal. And his purpose was to cover the front, sometimes also the back. And it extended down to the upper legs of the warrior. In our text, the Christian breastplate is described as consisting of righteousness. What is this righteousness and how can it protect us? We aren't righteous in ourselves. Only God is righteous. He is just in all that he does. No one will be able to accuse him of wrongdoing. We were created in God's image. And this means we were meant to be like him, reflecting his righteousness in all that we think, say, and do. And God's law helps us to see what a righteous life is supposed to look like. Things change dramatically through man's fall into sin. We're no longer righteous by nature. Our lives are not in line with the divine standard expressed by God's perfect law. As Paul puts it in Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sins expose us to the reality of God's judgment. All sinners deserve to go to hell, the place of eternal punishment. We all deserve to be separated from God and all his blessings forever. There's only one way for us to become righteous before God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. When we are united with Jesus Christ by true faith, his righteousness is imputed to us. This means it becomes ours. It's transferred to us. And how is this possible? It's possible because of his life of obedience that culminated in his death on the cross. There he paid the price to atone for our sins, his life for ours. And Paul writes about that extensively in his letter to the Romans. He draws a glorious conclusion in Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the word justified means that we have been declared righteous. And this righteousness has nothing to do with our own works. The Apostle Paul explains in Philippians 3 verse 9 that this is righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Faith is the means by which we receive this gift from God. And this righteousness offers us protection against the devil. The devil comes with accusations. He wants to undermine our certainty of salvation by pointing to our many shortcomings. Then thoughts arise in our minds such as, how can God love me after I did this or that? The devil wants us to give up in the spiritual struggle by making us despair of God's grace. And God protects us against the devil's accusations through Jesus Christ. Now, how does he do that? He commands us through our text to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ. More, however, can also be said about this. When we believe in Jesus Christ, righteousness is not only imputed to us, it is also imparted to us. This connects with what can be referred to as justification and sanctification. Now, what does this mean? What is imputed to us, what is transferred to our account, is what Christ has done for us on the cross. Then we are justified, declared righteous before God. What is imparted to us refers to what Christ does in us by his word and spirit. We call this sanctification. Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness, equips us by his Spirit to lead new lives. He makes us capable of righteous living. As the Heidelberg Catechism puts it in Lord's Day 1, He makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. We learn to repent of our sins, to hate them. And we learn to rejoice in God through Christ and to have a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. Such righteous living requires effort on our part. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at when he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. It's not just about believing that the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been transferred to us when we believe in him. By faith in Jesus Christ, we also learn to be intentional, purposeful in what we choose to say and do. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. This requires ongoing effort. There are choices to be made if we who have been declared righteous are also to lead righteous lives. Take your stand 
as a soldier of Jesus Christ in the spiritual battle that you are called to wage. Be ready to ask yourself at any time, am I now focusing on what is righteous in God's eyes or not? Paul makes that clear in Romans 6 verse 13 where he writes, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And the Apostle Peter is also referring to this when he writes that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And the Apostle John is also making the same point when he writes in 1 John 2 verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Practicing righteousness, striving to do the right thing in God's sight, will keep us safe from all kinds of attacks of the devil. But for this to happen, we need to be thoroughly familiar with what God calls righteous. That's part of what putting on the breastplate of righteousness involves. After all, there are quite a few people in this world who are confused about the distinction between good and evil, or who deliberately confuse others. And this is not a recent problem. We read in Isaiah 5, verse 20, God's word of impending judgment on people who develop their own standards for good and evil instead of accepting God's standards. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This happens today, too. Think, for example, of word games that people play to camouflage wickedness. The term pro-choice has been coined to make abortion sound like a positive alternative. Framing the terms of the debate in this way is a deliberate way to put those who, who oppose abortion on the defensive. It provides a platform for accusing them of being against the so-called woman's right to choose. And meanwhile, the right to life for unborn children is placed outside of the discussion. Or if the existence of an unborn child is acknowledged, they're dehumanized by further language games. I remember reading a reaction someone had to a flag display in Winnipeg that was designed to illustrate the evil of abortion in a graphic way. In the comments section under the article, Unborn babies were referred to as parasites. When an unborn baby is called a parasite, it becomes emotionally easier to get rid of this little boy or girl. Beloved, we need the absolute standard of God's word to shape our thinking. And then we'll be able to see through the word games that people play to mask what essentially are lies or forms of unrighteousness. 
The breastplate of righteousness will protect us from being drawn into corrupt thinking that leads to wicked decisions. And the armor of God gives us the protection we need. We paid attention to the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Let's now reflect on how important it is for a soldier, a good soldier, to have good shoes. And this brings us to our third point. When you think of the armor of a soldier, you don't necessarily think of his shoes. And nevertheless, shoes are vitally important. If your feet hurt badly, you will no longer be mobile. A soldier, therefore, needs good shoes to protect his feet. Roman soldiers had war boots outfitted with nails or spikes in the soles to keep them from slipping. Putting such boots on their feet was part of their preparation for marching into battle. And having feet firmly planted in the ground could give the necessary traction to push through enemy lines. Paul talks about a different kind of shoe. The readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, what is this gospel of peace? It's the good news of peace with God obtained through Jesus Christ. Through faith in him, we receive the forgiveness of sins. Instead of going through life as enemies of God, we are reconciled with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through faith, we enter into a relationship of peace with God. And the gospel of peace fills our hearts with peace. We don't need to be afraid of God's burning wrath. We may enjoy the sunshine of his fatherly love. And this peace in our hearts is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us this peace as we take the good news of salvation to heart. And this good news of peace with God gives us the stability we need for our feet. We will be able to stand our ground knowing that God is on our side instead of being against us. And this is important, especially when we're facing difficulties. Have you ever been distressed by something? How did you deal with that? Did you start questioning your relationship with God? Why? If you've been living in rebellion against God, you know that calls for repentance. But if you are living by faith, don't let troubles discourage you. Don't become a backslider. Don't retreat in the face of attacks from the devil. Trials in life are inevitable. We may even have to face times of persecution. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, the verses 12 to 13, that all who desire to lead a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. What comfort is there for us 
in such circumstances. Here it is. We are in a relationship of peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this means that nothing and no one will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Hold on to that promise, beloved. Pray that the God of peace will give you a strong sense of peace. Then you will be prepared to carry on with life and also to reach out to others in a positive way. Move forward with confidence and joy, even in the face of difficulties. Fasten on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and have as shoes the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And then you will also be prepared to talk about it with whoever asks you about your faith. Who knows? By God's grace, that person may even become a fellow soldier in the spiritual battles that we are called to wage. Amen.